This is the Championship Chat Podcast, your home of news, views and debate from England's second tier. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Championship Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Jackson, and I'm joined, as always, by George Smith. George, how are you doing? Not bad, mate, not bad. Uh, day later recording this week, so I've had to, you know, go without seeing you on a Sunday evening, which was very unfortunate, but... I loved it. Accounts, you... you you would, you would. Thanks for that. You were treated to a, a rather interesting FA Cup tie instead on Sunday, weren't you? Yeah, we, we can were. actually talk about it with uh, more interest than usual because we won't really cover it on the pod that much today. Um, and it was a championship affair. Yeah, it was an absolute cracker at Bramall Lane. Really, really good atmosphere. Um, two teams really going for it, and as you want in the FA Cup. Um, fantastic away falling from Rovers, just shy of six thousand in the in the away end at Bramall Lane. It was a fantastic game. It was a game where neither team really deserved to lose. Both teams deserved to win. And there was some controversy. I think Rovers were quite unlucky on a few things. I think that um, it's an absolute screamer to win the game from Tommy Doyle, which, and credit to the Blades, really good mentality to come back twice in a week, having beat Sunderland as well from behind on Wednesday night. It was just a really good game of football. It was a bit gutting. Obviously, I am a neutral. Um, but covering Blackburn home and away, you obviously want to see them do well. So it was a bit gutting how it ended, but a fantastic game of football. And you, you couldn't begrudge either side. Whoever had won, you couldn't have begrudged them the win. That's for sure. No, definitely not. You know, it, was, it were a cracking year. I watched it all on TV. Thoroughly enjoyable cup tie. And like I said to you just before we started recording, you know, the tempo of it was set within two, three minutes of the kickoff. It You know, both teams were up for it as they should have been. You know, big prize at stake and obviously Sheffield United got the job done, found a way and now they've got the unenviable task of trying to stop Mr Erling Haaland at Wembley, which uh, won't be easy. Good luck with that one. Yes, I wouldn't be phoning Vincent Company up anytime soon for, for any advice on how to try that one. <laughs> um, on today's podcast, we're going to do things slightly differently because there was a, there was a slightly reduced slate And there's quite a lot of draws, which normally we leave out. So I think we're going to go for a bit of state of play of the championship table, throwing in some analysis on the results at the weekend, but maybe zooming out a little bit and taking a broader look at where we stand with eight games to go, nine games for a couple of teams in the championship table. So hope you're looking forward to that over the next hour. Make sure you are subscribed to this podcast feed, which you can find on all your usual platforms and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ChamChatPod24. And a massive thank you, as always, to our sponsors, Cards Accepted, for supporting the podcast this season. If you're looking to take car payments with no contract or monthly fees, visit cardsaccepted.co.uk. They provide a discount on the RRP of all sum-up devices, so make sure you go and check them out. This is the Championship Chat Podcast. So, George, we're going to start at the top of the table. Now, of course, Burnley and Sheffield United weren't in action. They were in the FA Cup, as we've already discussed. So Middlesbrough, they were the big winners, and boy, were they winners. They beat Preston North End 4-0, as they so often do at the Riverside. Unbeaten run continuing, and after a little bit of disappointment in dropping points at home to Stoke City in midweek, they will have been desperate to get back on the winning front and put some more pressure on Sheffield United, who had opened that gap back up to six points before kickoff. And it was another fantastic display from Borough. Akpom with his, at this point, just... Absolutely compulsory goal. Any win at the Riverside is not complete without a tuba Akpom strike. Two from Cameron Archer as well to really rub salt in the wounds for Preston North End. 
having hoped to get him back if he was available to a championship club. Of course, he went to Middlesbrough instead and he uh, he made them realise what they were missing, although I'm sure they were all acutely aware. And then Marcus Force capping off a win for Middlesbrough. Four another say dominant and a great victory for Michael Carrick's side. Looking at the table in full, they're now three points behind Sheffield United. Of course, they played a game extra. Middlesbrough's fixtures, I feel like there's been a narrative running that Sheffield United's fixtures are a lot easier than Middlesbrough, uh, a lot harder, sorry, than Middlesbrough's for this final running. But having a look through, I'm not necessarily sure that's the case. Middlesbrough have still got to play Burnley, Norwich, Luton and Coventry. Sheffield United have got Norwich, Burnley and West Brom still to play. So perhaps Sheffield United's tougher run, they've actually eaten into it probably more than we realise with some of the fixtures they've played recently. Of course, they've not always got the best results in those games. Where do you stand on the automatic promotion race? It is a two-horse race, currently at three points, with a little asterisk next to it because of the game in hand. Zooming out a little bit, George, where where are we at with this, this top two race? Well, first of all, I think, you know, Middlesbrough, obviously, they've they've had a solid week. Not a brilliant week. I think solid is obviously a better word. They would have obviously much preferred six points from those two home games. I watched the game against Stoke um, last Tuesday evening. You know, while most people spent their Tuesdays watching Erling Haaland do Erling Haaland things and put five past Leipzig, I decided to show my love and appreciation for Tuba Akpom instead and watch Borough versus Stoke. Not that I regret that decision after what Haaland did, but there we go. But no, Middlesbrough, to be honest, against Stoke, I thought they were very, very poor, to be honest. Even though you must caveat that and say Stoke were very, very good, I thought Stoke took the game to Middlesbrough so, so well and, you know, produced a very, very good performance that on another day, you know, probably would have seen them get all three points. But Borough, you know, they bounced back at the weekend with, you know, a statement victory, a solid victory that, you know, like you said, has become so accustomed to at the Riverside under Michael Carrick. And all of a sudden now they're three points behind the Blades again, but obviously United have got that game in hand as we, you know, we, we come towards the very, very business end of the season now. Middlesbrough, you look at their remaining fixtures, eight to go. They've got, I think, four at home, four away. It's a, it's a good blend, a very mixed bag of opponents in there. They Obviously, the hardest games point to Burnley at home, Norwich at home, a trip to Luton. But with what we've seen with Middlesbrough, of course, is their home form under Michael Carrick has just been absolutely phenomenal, to be quite honest with you. I think that's the word that's best used. So I wouldn't, you know, play down the prospect of Middlesbrough winning all of their remaining home games, even against Burnley, which, of course, will be very difficult. And it should be a very good game, that one. It must be said um, on Easter. I think that's Good Friday evening, actually. That could be quite yeah, a good game. The for Easter good weekend night. is going to be phenomenal, George. I don't it know if you've seen. huge Burn- games. Bur- Burnley have got Burnley Sheffield United on Easter yeah. Monday, isn't it? So they pr- yeah, so that's going to be a decisive a three days weekend. in the automatic promotion race. I think it if certainly they is. win those two games, they'll be up as champions. I'm pretty sure that's the... Yeah, I think they need three, three, four more wins to get the job done and then whatever it is, you know, to secure the title, which, you know, we've known for ages is going to happen regardless. But I think for Borough, looking at it now, obviously, they've been on a terrific run of form. They're three points behind Sheffield United. They're certainly breathing down the necks. The Blades, obviously, have got that extra game still to come. Um, and obviously, United are going to get an extra game in hand in terms of whenever it's played because obviously they've reached the FA Cup semi-final. Sheffield United were due to be at Huddersfield away that weekend. So for the Blades, you look at their fixture list, and again, like Burrys, it is a mixed bag. They've you know they've got to go to Norwich, they've got to go to Burnley, they've got to play West Brom at home. So you know you would argue that the trips to Burnley and Norwich are the hardest remaining fixtures of the Blades on paper, whereas. 
Middlesbrough have got both of them at home. So that could be where, you know, Middlesbrough maybe get a slight advantage in terms of the fixture list looking favourable. But at, the, at this moment in time, Sheffield United's destiny remains in their own hands. They're three points clear. They do have that game in hand, as we've said. So I think at the moment, you would lean more towards backing Sheffield United, even though, you know, overall their form has not been brilliant in recent weeks, it must be said. Obviously, got a big win at Sunderland in the week prior to winning in the FA Cup on, on Sunday. That was a big win for them at Sunderland and one they desperately need after, you know, little blips, uh, the most recent of which was at home to Luton. So I think Sheffield United, you still have to lean towards them, looking at that game in hand, that three-point cushion. But Middlesbrough are just on an unbelievable run. Let's be honest, they've been, you know, clocking up the points at a rapid rate of knots. They've picked up more points than any other team in the Championship this calendar year. 10 wins in 13 games, scoring goals at a rapid rate, it must be said. So you can't, you, you know, you can't discount them yet. But I think Sheffield United, knowing that they've got the points on the board, three, uh, you know, three-point advantage, a game in hand as well, they'd rather be in their position than Burris. So I think I would lean more towards Sheffield United at the moment. But like you said, that Easter weekend, Burnley for both teams, you know, they could play a pivotal part in who's going to finish second behind. So it's going to be a really intriguing race to the finish line. And, you know, I could see it going, you know, maybe the penultimate final game of the season, perhaps. It could go right to the very end. And, you know, it's just such a shame that maybe Middlesbrough and the Blades haven't got to play each other before that, you know, before that conclusion of the season. Obviously, only played each other a few weeks ago. So I think the Blades at the moment do tip the balance. They're probably the team that you would swing towards back in for that second spot. But Michael Carrick and Middlesbrough are just on such a charge. And their home form obviously could play such a key role. So I think it's one that, you know, we're going to be able to, as neutrals, watch right until the finish line and enjoy it. But at the moment, I would swing towards backing Sheffield United. Yeah, I think I would say the same, George. I don't personally see... I think it's hard. Will Middlesbrough make up six more points between now and the end of the season? I say six points. Sheffield United have got to win that game in hand. That game in hand is against West Brom as well. So... Very much a top not six easy. challenger themselves, albeit their form away from home has not been as positive as uh, it has at the Hawthorns, of course. But so it's going to be really though, interesting. Yeah. If I had to nail myself, uh, nail my colours to the mast, I would go for Sheffield United. And I'm going to ask you to do the same in a second. And I think the reason I'd go for Sheffield United is because ultimately I think when questions are asked of this squad and this manager, they tend to come up trumps, even in adversity. Yes, the run they've been on recently hasn't been the greatest. But I still think that there's a resilience and a quality in there to grind out results. And I think we've seen that this week with the two two wins that they've had to beat. Sunderland away from home after going behind is far from an easy situation to find yourselves in, especially after losing and being pretty awful against Luton. And then to beat Blackburn Rovers, who are a championship rival, different competition, you know, it's a cup game, but that will galvanise them and give them real belief. So it's been a really good week for the Blades. And I don't want to be reactive on the fact that Borough dropped points this week, but ultimately my my gut feeling all the, all the way has been that Sheffield United will finish in second. Do you agree? Yeah, I think Very... I, I think I've got to agree with that to be honest, because you know we've said there obviously that game in hand is significant that they're going to have, possibly even could work out to be two games in hand depending when that rearranged game with the Huddersfield's played when of the weekend of the FA Cup semi final, 
And of course, they've got that three-point advantage. So, you know, the Blades, as I said, are in charge of their own destiny. But that is not to say Middlesbrough cannot bridge the gap because, you know, as we've said, they've been absolutely terrific since Michael Carrick got the job. They, You know, they've barely dropped any points in the last three or four months. They've been absolutely electric in their form. But I think, you know, you look at it, that Easter weekend could be pivotal. That could be when we have an even clearer idea. And I always say the Easter weekend, it's one of the most dramatic and important of the season. Obviously, play Good Friday, Easter Monday, plenty of drama associated with it. And the fact that, the, you know, the two chasers are both playing Burnley, it really does add an extra extra element of spice to it. So it's going to be interesting. And, you know, like you've said, Middlesbrough, they've still got to take on Norwich, Luton and Coventry as well, which isn't easy. Especially when, you know, they've got to go to Luton, which is never an easy place to go. But, you know, would you at the same time rule Middlesbrough out of the last eight games getting six or seven wins? Probably not. I think they're capable of it. And equally, I think Sheffield United, like you've said, when they're capable of, you know, playing to full throttle, they can also get out the wins. And it's just going to be such an interesting race to the, to the finish line. There's some big, big games to come, some big hurdles for both teams to get over. But that game in hand and that three-point cushion might just edge it for Sheffield United. But if I'm being brutally honest, I think it could go down to the last couple of games and be very, very close in terms of final point totals. So, be interesting to watch. Looking forward to it as a neutral. And, you know, bring it on. That's what I say. It's going to be fun. Absolutely. I was just about to say that. That's exactly what we want as neutrals. We want a bit of a race. We want jeopardy. We want tension and drama going into the final weeks of the season. You know, Burnley have done their very best to get rid of all that by being too bloody good for anyone else this season. So it'd be nice to have a bit of a top two battle going into the final weeks of the season with some big games. Judge, no matter what, there's going to be some jeopardy going into the final weeks of the season with this playoff race because there's about 84 teams going for a top six finish. <laughs> I think we're fair to say that whoever finishes, I think it's fair to, say, to rule out one of these playoff places because obviously whoever doesn't go up out of Sheffield United and Burnley uh, and Middlesbrough, sorry, will be in third. So therefore, it's to know where do you cut it off. For me, I think I'm going to cut off under Watford in 10th and say Sunderland won't get in the top six. And I'm looking from there upwards. Um, it was a very interesting week in the playoff battle. We'll go through some of the results in a second, but I'm going 10th upwards is what I'm counting in this mini discussion that we're going to have. Um, in terms of the actual games, Sunderland won, Luton won. The Hatters dropping points at the Stadium of Light. It was, it was never a penalty. Let's, let's get that out of the way first and foremost. Ahmad chucks himself to the ground. It's very minimal contact from Amari Bell. And I think um, I think that Rob Edwards and the Hatters can feel very aggrieved to have conceded that spot kick, in my opinion. They're fourth in the table, 64 points from 38 played in very, very good form. Then there's Millwall, who are sixth, of course. Um, they <clears throat> complete banana skin of the weekend. I never saw this one coming in the slightest. They lost 1-0 at home to Huddersfield Town, which was a pretty astonishing result. And back-to-back defeats now for Millwall at home, actually, which is quite... I don't know the numbers, but it'd be quite interesting to know when the last time that happened was. Um, Danny Ward with very good finish, lifting the ball into the back of the net. Millwall did have chances, couldn't find a way through. I did think Huddersfield probably should have had a penalty at 0-0, though, as well, I would point out. And when you look at some of the, the stats, George, um, Millwall had 381 completed passes, Huddersfield Town had 86. Now, of course, you don't get goals for that. And the, the, but my point is, Mill had loads of territory. They had loads of the ball. 
didn't just have didn't have that cutting edge, which is not something we could accuse them of not having on many occasions this season, particularly when they've dominated proceedings. So they dropped points. Stoke nil, Norwich nil. Not a lot happened in this one, if I'm being completely honest. Stoke's uh, rejuvenation under Alex Neal and their good form continues. It's been a good week from them, uh, taking two points from two top six teams. It shows what level they're sort of operating at at the moment. Blackpool one, Coventry four. I'm interested to get your take on this, actually. I was I thought Coventry were a little bit fortunate with some of the decisions at key moments in the game. I think Victor Giocarez, as much as we love him, um, the Swede did lash out, and I think he could have been sent off for, I think it was on uh, Curtis Nelson, was it? Um, the the elbow, or was it Callum Connolly, actually? It was one of the two. Um, he, he sort of looked like he lashed out, could have been sent off. Equally, I think Blackpool probably should have had a penalty for Gustavo Harmer going through the back of Jerry Yates as he's poised to shoot. Those are key moments in the game. You know, the Giocarez one was in the first half quite early on. Uh, and equally, the penalty was when the score was still, I think Blackpool were winning or it was one all, uh, if memory serves me correct. So in that case, I think Blackpool were a little bit unlucky with some of those decisions, which were important decisions. That said, Coventry then had to go on and win the game, which they did, and showed great character to come from behind. Superb finish from Kyle McFadden as well. And that makes it nine without defeat for them. Five away from home without a loss. And this season, the discrepancy between their home form and their away form hasn't been anywhere near as big as it was last season, for example. They're three points off the top six. What did you make of the decisions, first and foremost? And then we'll look at Coventry and the bigger picture with them a little bit more. Well, fully agree on Victor Jokeres. You know, you can't lash out like that in the way that he did. And, you know, he's he's not a violent player. He's never been somebody to associate with that. But he obviously, he's let emotions, for whatever reason, there get the better of him. And, you know, if that's against you, you're screaming for a red card, at a, you know, at a, an incident like that. So he could count himself incredibly lucky. And, you know, if he gets sent off, it probably changes the balance of the game. Because, of course, he goes on to get the assist for Ben Sheaf's equaliser. And, you know, Mick McCarthy's team at that point, you know, they've got the lead, they've got the tails up, playing against 10 men. Who knows how the game could have mapped out? Obviously, later in the half, Gustavo Hamer's foul goes straight through the back of Jerry Yates. Should have been a penalty. I think it's certainly a very strong case. So, again, Blackpool, if they get given that, they go 2-1 up. It could have been very, very interesting. So, certainly, Coventry have got the swing of the decisions in that game. But as you've said... They've still gone on to do their job. They've gone on professionally to win the game and they've scored four goals away from home for, I think, the second time in the last three away games after that 4-0 win at Huddersfield not long ago. So it proves that they're certainly making all the right noises at the right time, doesn't it? So as for Coventry as a whole right now, obviously they're in, you know, they're in pretty good form, it must be said. Nine without defeat, as you said. And you look at them... And I think the fact that they're doing so well currently with all of the injury issues that they're having to contend with makes you think if they can recover perhaps one or two bodies before the end of the season, you know, after the international break, could they really storm into the playoff place? If they're capable of doing what they've done with, you know, a heavily impacted squad, they've they've lost some very key midfielders in the last few weeks, it must be said. Obviously, Jamie Allen, Casey Palmer have been missing. Obviously, Callum O'Hare's a long-term absentee again. You know, if they're capable of recovering maybe Palmer or uh, Jamie Allen before the end of the season, I'm not quite sure the uh, the state of players with their injuries specifically. But if they're able to get a few bodies back, what could they be capable of between, you know, 
the start of April and the start of May and that final sprint to the finish line. I'm just looking at their remaining fixtures now. After the international break, they have got, you know, they've got a mixed bag of games. They've got Stoke at home on the 1st of April. Then the Easter weekend, they've got Swansea away, Watford at home. Two fixtures that, you know, won't be easy. The Watford game could be quite important, quite pivotal, to be fair. And then they've got QPR away. Then they've got another big game against Blackburn. So, you know, they've got a mixed bag of teams, you know, fighting for the same aim as them and teams towards the bottom. They've also got to go to Middlesbrough on the final day. But the thing with Coventry at the, the moment is that we're seeing they're very, very solid defensively. They don't concede many goals and they are capable of putting teams to the sword when they really want to go for it. And obviously they've got Jokeres, who is, you know, one of the best players in the division scoring for fun this season. So personally... After the way things went over the weekend, with obviously Norwich dropping points, Millwall being beaten, Watford obviously dropped points at home to Wigan as well. I think Coventry are definitely in this race. I know people look and say, obviously, Millwall have got a three-point advantage. Norwich have got, you know, better experience in these situations, which is true. But they're on equal points. And if we're looking as far down as Watford and West Brom are still being contenders, West Brom have a game in hand on Millwall, Norwich and Coventry immediately above them. Which is you Sheffield have United, to, of course. You have to consider Coventry as a as a genuine contender in this race. You know, they've been in this race now for a while. It's not as if they've made a rate a late run from nowhere. They've been at the heart of this for quite a long time now. They they obviously had a really, you know, difficult patch. Then they came out firing again. And Mark Robbins just seems to be able to get a consistent tune out of these players without, you know, seemingly getting too high about it. He always remains level headed. And I really like that the way that they play their football. You know, they've got so many talented individuals, but you look at Coventry as a collective team where, you know, if you were to na- say to somebody, name me Coventry standout players, nine times out of 10, they're going to say Victor Jokeres, Gustavo Hamer. They are, you know, they're star assets, the shining lights. But you look at the players who chipped in with the goals at the weekend, Sheaf, McFadzin, Matty Godden, you know, players are, you know, they're getting goals from all areas of the team now. I think so, you can see as well, Coventry just, uh, just the point effort. that you're making that the impact McFadden's had since he's come back into the back three. You yeah. know, they've got a oh, real he's been nice huge. And Luke now. McNally as well from Burnley. Yeah, he's McNally been exceptional on the right, since coming McFadden in the middle with his experience and Doyle on the left on loan from Manchester City. They've got a really nice blend ball. there. It's a really good defence. It is. And, you know, like I said, they've obviously got the attacking threat of Jokeres at the other end of the pitch. And you look back on their, their recent form since the World Cup break, they've lost five games since the World Cup. And, you know, three of those were to Sheffield United, Burnley and West Brom all the way from home. There's no real disgrace in that. So it proves they've, you know, they've been on the button really since the World Cup. And, you know, they've got every right to be considered in this race. And I think, for one, they're certainly going to run it very, very close. And, you know, after, I think Millwall's defeat to Huddersfield at the weekend is significant. That That was a really, really big blow for Millwall. You know, if they'd have won that, They'd have gone into the into the international break with a six-point cushion over seventh place. You know, it was a game that everybody expected them to win. And that just proves that, you know, slightly taking your foot off the pedal can, you know, lead to a really damaging result. Because psychologically, a six-point cushion restarting after the break would have been huge for Millwall. And, you know, by all things considered, I think the breaks probably come at the right time for them. But to, you know, answer your overall question, can Coventry, you know, finish in the top six? I, I certainly think they've got it in them. I think they've been one of the more consistent teams in the last couple of months. They play a decent brand of football. 
it's just a case of maybe will they fall short because of the injuries. But if they get one or two of those bodies back, it's going to give them a significant boost ahead of the running. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. But you feel Stoke, Swansea, those first two games after the break, that they could be really important for them ahead of facing, you know, the likes of Watford, Blackburn and Middlesbrough in the few weeks after. So big couple of games, but at the minute, you know, Coventry, they're out of all the teams chasing the pack. I think they've got the one, the right to feel the most confident. Yeah, you mentioned it earlier, the, the last of this group of teams, Watford, they drew one hole at home to, to Wigan. Pretty awful result. And, and Wilder's had some nice-ish fixtures, I think, to start, but the points haven't quite followed in the manner that he would hope. Of course, he beat Birmingham mid-week, midweek. It's not really a reflection on him. He's not had any time on the training ground whatsoever. But if Watford are going to make a run, they just don't look capable of... You know, we know this Watford team can put, or certainly some of these players, should I say, rather than Watford as a team, these individual talents have been here and put a run of seven, eight league wins together before. It's what they did under Cisco Munoz to get out of the league last season. They, they, you know, they weren't, they weren't well-placed at the halfway mark last time they got promoted and they had an unbelievable end to the season. With eight games to go, they've shown very little sign that they can string together three, four, five, six wins in a row, which is what they're going to need really to catch up. And I think as a team, as a collective, they are severely inferior to a lot of the other teams. The reason you give Watford a chance, ultimately, is because if they can somehow gel together in the last eight games of the season, they could win the last eight games. They've got the individual quality and talents to do that, but they haven't performed all season. So I don't really know why we'd expect them to do so. In terms of the game itself, having Keenan Davies back in scoring form has been really important. Good finish for his goal, but sloppy marking. It's a bullet header from James McLean. Don't get me wrong, but the cross, it's too easy to let the cross come in. And that's one all and we can come away with a respectable point. In terms of the other team that obviously didn't play, it's Blackburn Rovers. They are fifth in the division, 61 points from 37 games. Um, looking at some statistics and some um, data today, um, there's some graphs that are produced by 538, which are, are quite interesting and shows how game week to game week, the, the probability of a team finishing you know, top top six relegation changes by each game week. And particularly when we get into these this final stretch of fixtures, it becomes quite interesting how pivotal one result can be. Rovers' chance of finishing in the top four went up 4% and they didn't play a game. So I think that shows how good a weekend it was for them. They've got a favourable run of fixtures coming up. Um, they play Birmingham. They play Norwich at home. They play Huddersfield away. They play Hull City at home and Coventry at home. Then the final four are a lot trickier. Preston away. Um, then they have Burnley at home. Luton at home. And they finish away at Millwall, which is you know, those final three fixtures, that it basically means Rose have, Rose have got to get some points on the board in this next run of four or five games because it, I suppose if they cock it up from their point of view, it's still in their hands because they're playing teams in and around them. But they want to get some points on the board now or in the next few games rather than later. It's really interesting how you how you see it. I'm not, I'm, I quite like West Brom as well. I still think that their home form is so good that if they can get some consistency away from home you know they drop points against Cardiff in the week which is not ideal again they've got injuries which is an, a, another big problem for them but I, I still like Carlos Corbran and I still think they could maybe grind out enough results to get in there if I'm being completely honest looking at the picture I'm I'm sort of picking four teams 
to finish in three spots. And I take on board everything you said about Coventry. My gut feeling is they won't have enough and they won't finish in the top six. Equally, same with Watford. I'm only, I don't. I'm only really. I don't really. I don't have any belief that Watford will get in the top six. I'm just covering my own backside. I think because of the fact that they can go and win seven games in a row. So I'm probably between five teams for three spots. I think Luton will finish in the top six. I think that. I think my gut feeling is still that West Brom will finish in the top six, and that leaves me with Norwich, Blackburn. And Millwall, and I'm stuck between Millwall and Blackburn, I think, deep down. And of course, those two play each other on the last day of the season, which makes it all the more juicy. Could be fun. I actually feel after this weekend, despite Blackburn losing, I feel more confident of them finishing the top six than I did this time a week ago because the the biggest criticism I had of Rovers was they didn't rise to occasions and they, they went missing in big games and they went missing very much when they lost and got battered by Burnley, then got battered by Preston after the international break. But in 2023, their form and their consistency has been brilliant. Yes, there was an off day at Stoke, but they bounced back and dominated against Reading. Yes, it was 2-1, but they absolutely battered Reading and should have won 4 or 5-1, if we're being honest, if they put the chances in the back of the net. Chance creation is not as big an issue as it was earlier in the season. The bigger problem now is not sticking the ball in the back of the net. I think anyone that watched the FA Cup game against... Sheffield United will know that Blackburn had more than enough chances to go 3-1 up. And if they do, they probably win that game. And that's the next development for this squad. But I'm pretty excited and I'm pretty happy to say that for the first time this season, I currently think Blackburn are operating as a top six playoff team. I think they are playing at a top six level, probably for the first time this season in the last six weeks. So I'm going to stick my neck on the line and my top six will be obviously Middlesbrough, Sheffield United, Luton Town, West Brom and Blackburn Rovers. It's difficult. It is really difficult with the way things are set up at the minute. Obviously, going to match you with one of either the Blades or Middlesbrough to take third place. I think Luton will have enough to to hold on to fourth. You know, you know, you can't you can't completely rule Luton out of the top two battle yet. But six points, Sheffield United with the game in hand, it's probably going to be a bit of a tall order for them. So I think you know the top four, with the exception of either Middlesbrough or Sheffield United taking that third, will remain as it is at the moment. Fifth and sixth, I think, is the interesting one. Personally, I really wouldn't rule Norwich out of the equation just yet. For me, Norwich have been a team, even though you know they've stuttered a little bit, they would have been disappointed with that draw at Stoke at the weekend, even though Stoke, of course, have been on a really, really good run in the last few, you know, two or three weeks. They've really picked it up and significantly improved, I must say, having watched their last two performances in full. But Norwich are a team that I just think, under David Wagner, have shown signs of improvement in the last few weeks, even though they have only taken two points from the last nine available. The international break might have come at the just the right time for them. For David Wagner, you know, to take stock, look at things, you know, freshen things up, a couple of weeks without a game, and then pick up the baton for that final push to the finish line. You look at their remaining fixtures... For Norwich, Sheffield United immediately after the break, then Blackburn, obviously very, very tough. But in that, you know, in the remaining eight games, they have got to play the likes of QPR, Swansea, Blackpool, Rotherham. But, but are we getting into the period? But but are they actually? Because are we not getting into the point well, of the season where actually you want mid-table teams like a Swansea, like I know a Bristol City, probably? For that. 
Whereas playing a Black Ball, a Rotherham, a QPR, Rotherham, a Huddersfield, they're, they're not I ideal. Mean. I know what you mean, but Rotherham at home, Blackpool at home, of you know, course they are Norwich should be looking games. at those to, you know, thinking six points, it's got to be. If we want to get promoted, we have got to get six points in these games. So Norwich, I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't rule out just yet. I think they have still got a little bit more to give in this race. So I think Norwich will claim fifth or sixth. I think they will be joined in there. I think Blackburn might just get it. I think Blackburn, you know, like you said, they've they've been much improved in the last few weeks. Their performances, have, you know, on the whole, have been really, really encouraging. They've played some good football at times. And what I saw on Sunday against Sheffield United was a team that is capable of, you know, competing with the very best in this division. Like you said, their next four games are a lot easier than their last four games. So that's where, you know, they've got to come into their own and put points on the board ahead of a defining period. I'm not as convinced on West Brom as yourself, even though their home form has been excellent. I do think the performances have remained just that, you know, a little bit patchy. I'm quite happy to admit that if they weren't called West Brom, I probably wouldn't be as confident as I am. And their away form has been uninspiring. Millwall, I just feel that they might just lose their way a little bit. They've had some, you know, bad results in the last few weeks. That defeat to Huddersfield is a really, really sore one for them to take. You know, it's two defeats in the last three at home. It's a, you know, they seem to just... You know, the wheels haven't come off, but they've had a little bit of a wobble. At, you know, not an ideal time. And the break's probably come at a good time for them. But I think Norwich, of the teams that aren't in that top six at the minute, will be the ones to get in. I think Coventry will just fall short. Watford, I've just seen absolutely no consistency from them to suggest they've got it in them. You know, two wins in 11 games for them now. And like you said, Chris Wilder, you know, you have to appreciate, fair enough, as you've said, he's not really had any time on the training pitch between games to, you know, get his ideas across. But, you know, for a new manager to go in there and have just taken four points from the first nine available with the games he's had, especially with two at home and one against, you know, a QPR side that is an absolute free fall, it, it is a really poor return, to be fair, for a team with so much individual talent. So, with that said, my top six, Burnley first. Still not swayed on who will come second, so, we'll, you know, Blades or Middlesbrough. Third one of those two, obviously. Fourth, Luton. Fifth place Blackburn, sixth place Norwich. I think Norwich will be the ones to sneak in. I think I, I I I totally take your point on Norwich. I just don't think I've seen the consistency from them this season, and I that, feel like the are thing. they hitting their stride? There's still a long. I like there's still eight games to go, so you don't there really is. need there's to many many twists and turns. And you know, you look at the form I'm glad you table. Put Rovers in because I don't want my slight bias of the fact that I live and breathe the club <laughs> as my job to to influence what I think on this podcast. No, I, because that's you know, not what I've seen enough of Blackburn. The performances performances have significantly improved, and you know they, they have been good of late. They've played much much better standard. You know they've proven that they you know they beat Sheffield United in the league a couple of weeks ago. They pushed them all the way in the FA Cup on, on Sunday. But if you have a quick glance at the Championship form table. This is based on the last six game weeks. Coventry have taken more points than anybody across the last six game weeks, and I just should point out in that six game week period, Burnley. Oh, yeah, to Coventry. Five. I forgot you. thought you were in love with Coventry. I am in love with Coventry. They're they're my Nottingham Forest from last season. But I just for reasons you said, I, I just think Norwich's experience might just get them over the line. I think that's what could be the key for Norwich. Coventry, I think they'll run it very close. And, you know, you look at the form table over the last six, as I've said, 
they have picked up more points than anybody. Only Burnley have avoided defeat in their last six games in comparison with Coventry. Only Middlesbrough have scored more goals than Coventry in the last six games. So, you know, Coventry have hit good form at the right time. Maybe the international break has come at a bad time for them. But on the flip side of the coin, it may allow them to get one or two injured players back. Whereas Watford and West Brom, they're 10th and 11th, respectively, in the form table of the last six. They've not got form in their sales at the minute. Norwich is slightly higher placed in eighth. Form. They've not got form in their sails. Is that a saying? Have you just mixed yeah. two things up? Form in their sails. Wind in their sails. Form in their sails. Wind I've used that plenty of times. Plenty of times. Form in their sails. That's a new one. Um, Blackburn fifth in the form table. Millwall sixth in the form table. You know, it is Watford and West Brom that are lagging behind in this race. So I'm not I'm not sold on them. Really not. So I think it will you know, be a, be a battle that goes down to the wire. But... I think Watford and West Brom personally need, you know, a run of four or five wins on the trot after the international break to really, you know, say we are right in this race to push it down to the wire. But personally, I can see us going into the final day. If things persist as they are, potentially with, you know, two of the four, two of the four playoff places still, you know, unoccupied. It's going to be a frantic the race to finish. The play Rovers as well is just bombing. I was just and literally going to say that. Beforehand. That final day fixture between Blackburn and uh, Millwall promises to be uh, rather interesting if it's all still up for grabs by that point. But you, just loading up the fixtures now for the um, the final day of the season, I'm just going to see if there's actually any other, you know, pivotal games on that uh, on that final day. Just loading them up now, you know, Middlesbrough Coventry that could be huge for both teams in you know their respective ambitions to get in there. None of the other playoff contenders play each other. So it's going to be interesting. Millwall Blackburn, you know, could be very, very important. And West Brom actually play Norwich the week before that on the day Blackburn play Luton. So, you know, we, we're set for a frantic end to this season. But the playoff race, we've been saying it really, haven't we, since October time. that it's, it's just been about a million teams fighting for, you know, probably three of the, the four playoff places. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be frantic. But just to recap again. I think it'll be Norwich that joined Blackburn, Luton and won Middlesbrough and Sheffield United in the uh, in the four playoff places. Right, let's move to the bottom of the league now, George, because it was a big weekend for quite a lot of teams as well. No more so than Huddersfield, as we've touched on. They beat Millwall. That puts them on 36 points. Cardiff on 39. Uh, Rotherham on 40. That game was, of course, called off at the New York Stadium after torrential rain. That was absolutely bonkers. I was out in Sheffield on... Saturday um, afternoon when the game was going on. Uh, t- took my mum out for Mother's Day, given I was busy on, on Sunday with the, the match between Sheffield United and Blackburn. And there wasn't a drop of rain in Sheffield, which is only nope. like 15 miles away from probably where they two were playing. And it, like the pictures <laughs> that are, are bonkers. Have you seen, and I did tweet this, the advertising boarding that said swim, uh, was advertising yes. swimming lessons next to the uh, the completely drained pitch. I have. I thought it was quite funny. You certainly found it funny, didn't you? I but did. I was very amused. To give you a you know a, a clear indication of how mental this rain was, according to Google Maps, the quickest route from my house, I live in Sheffield, to the New York Stadium is seven miles away, and there was not an ounce of rain where I live. So that I storm that the arrived route was by boat or something then. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might have been once you reached Rotherham on Saturday afternoon, but there was nothing where I live. But 
it was absolutely insane the way that came down. And, you know, for Cardiff, they'll be absolutely fuming. Obviously, they were 1-0 up. And by all accounts, they were, you know, putting together a really good away performance. Yeah, there's a few videos that have gone a little bit viral where I'm just going to say the ground staff at Rotherham probably didn't do absolutely everything they could to stop the game yeah, getting pulled off. They were up to something, shall we say. Well, you kind know, sweeping the water back onto the pitch. going around with a, with a dustpan and brush to try, try and clear <laughs> the pitch. But yeah, that got called off anyway. Um, both still need points. I think Cardiff and Rotherham, ultimately, if they're going to get themselves you know, a little bit more comfy because the results in the last week for Blackpool and for Huddersfield have really tightened things up down at the bottom. Obviously, that game's going to be rearranged for later in the season, which, you know, the later it is to the end of the season, the the more poignant and um, nervy that fixture might be. Blackpool, they're on 35 points. They'll probably still fancy they've got a chance after, like, like we've not even spoke about the fact Blackpool won 6-1 against QPR in midweek, which was utterly bonkers. Um <laughs> So they'll still fancy the chances, obviously help their goal difference massively. And QPR are absolutely rotten to the core as a squad and a football club at the moment. They're on 42 points. Now, the joker in the pack for me, George, is Reading. Because at the time of recording, they've not had a points deduction yet, which is widely anticipated. They're currently on uh, 45 points. So they're, they're well clear. They're nine points clear as it stands. But if they were to lose six, they would drop to three points above on 39. And they're probably the worst team in the championship right now on current form, I would say. Personally, Can't be after as bad the as QPR. For, for, oh, yeah, them in QPR. Yeah, Can't be as bad as... Nobody's as bad as QPR. <laughs> well, I, I saw Reading live, of course, on Wednesday night when they played Blackburn. And yes, they, they got themselves level and, and could have took a point. But they were battered from start to finish. And they showed very little quality. And Cassidy in midfield, who's on left from Chelsea, was their bright spark. He scored the goal. He was their best player by country mile. Shane Long was quite bright as well. But I do feel like the toxicity around Reading right now and Paul Ince is really worrying. They've won about five games in half a season. You know, that early season form is what's keeping them adrift of the bottom three. And I do seriously worry about them. And they look a little bit done and dusted. Like, do I think... If they lose those points, do I think that Reading are going to pick up more points than Huddersfield, for example, between now and the end of the season? No, I don't think I do. I think Huddersfield probably will could pick up three more points than Reading between now and the end of the season. If Reading lose those three points, that goes down to goal difference. So that's really tight. Wigan are in OK form, but of course, official confirmation has now been this evening that they have lost a further three points, which... For me, I'm afraid I don't see... I think that makes it a little bit insurmountable to think that they're going to get themselves out of trouble. And they're now back on 31 points. So, although they're in okay form, the deduction has, has really snookered them. You wouldn't can't rule out another deduction or more problems behind the scenes. I think they're going to go down. I think they were okay with that when they appointed Sean Maloney. I do think they've been more stable since Sean Maloney came in. But they're just not winning games. And that's what they need at this stage of the season with the scenario that they find themselves in. You know, that, that's so, the thing, isn't it? All things considered, a point at Watford at the weekend, you know, if they were 17th, 18th, that'd be a cracking result, really. Absolutely. No, you're, you're absolutely right. So it leaves us with a very interesting situation. Of course, in terms of results at the weekend, QPR lost 1-0 to Birmingham after an early goal from Tahit Chong. They just couldn't muster up a response. Having Bringing Lyndon Dykes back in the team 
hasn't helped because we were, I think we were sort of looking of who's going to be the target man. Well, even though Dykes is fit again, he's still playing Chris Martin at the same time. I'm not sure that that's the most dynamic front two is uh, my polite way of of, of analysing that strike force. And I worry about them. I worry about them. I worry about Reading. Where are you at? Where, what, what do you think of that? Because those results for Blackpool and for Huddersfield have suddenly given us a race we weren't expecting in the last week. Well, obviously, mi- mixed emotions of Blackpool. Obviously, a brilliant thumping victory midweek and then obviously brought back down to earth again on Saturday. But again, with that as we've already discussed, Coventry. they could have... You know, a bit more luck with the refereeing decisions. They, might they have could have quite there. easily, quite easily. So, I think, you know, Mick McCarthy will probably take that into account and think, you know, we've taken three points from six. It's, you know, it's not the worst return in the world. It's certainly one of the better weeks we've had, you know, recently. And they are only four points behind Cardiff, albeit Cardiff have a game in hand. But, you know, five, you know four points with eight games to go. It's not a big gap. You know, it's certainly doable and it is a case of who can just string that little bit of form together between now and the NSC. You know, three or four wins might be enough. You know, it, it might be with the way things are going. Obviously, Rotherham and Cardiff are going to have to replay their game again. Wigan, I think you can forget about now. I think, you know, that they are they were already in need of a miracle for me because they just, you know, they haven't got the firepower in them to score more than one goal a game and get wins on the board. That's the problem. So Huddersfield, obviously, a magnificent victory for them. Real coupon bust and nobody saw that coming. Will that give them the spark that everybody thought they were going to kind of get when Neil Warnock came in? Time will tell, of course. But I still think I stand by what I said a few weeks ago in the sense that I think the current bottom three will be the three that do go through the trap door. I do think Cardiff, I've seen... Plenty of improvement from them in terms of performances recently. Even though they've not really moved anywhere in the table, performances have been a lot better. They've been a lot more positive. As I say, they were playing really well in that first half at Rotherham on Saturday till you know, an act of God um, meant the game couldn't be finished. QPR, obviously, in absolute free fall. I think for them, it is just a case of they're going to have to hope that the teams behind them continue to be just as bad. But Reading, of course, the prospect of a six-point deduction adds a little bit more added spice. So it could be another battle that goes right down to the wire, but I just think Blackpool and Huddersfield will fall through the trapdoor. I've not seen enough of them to give me belief that they can you know, get out of this and turn things around. But after the international break, everybody's recharged the batteries. Somebody somewhere is bound to put a little bit of momentum together. You know, maybe two or three wins, that might be enough just to, to get them out of trouble if others falter. I'm just looking at Huddersfield's remaining fixtures now after the break. You know, they've they've got Middlesbrough and Watford and Blackburn as their first three after the break. That is really, really difficult. And then they've, you know, they've still got to play Sheffield United at some point. They've got to go to Sunderland. It, it's not easy for, for Huddersfield. You know, you could argue they've got one of the most difficult fixture lists of the, uh, the sides down. Millwall. They did. And their last two games, depending on what the situation is, Cardiff away, Reading at home. That is their final oh, two How interesting! Home. How interesting could that be? I Reading at home on the final day. The last game of the season. It could be a very, very interesting one, that. But, you know, Huddersfield, for them, after the weekend's result, they'll be feeling a little bit bit brighter and a bit better of their prospects. 
but you just wonder if the, as the international break come at the worst possible time after getting a result like that because they'll be itching to get back out on the pitch and build on it. And when you look at the fact they've got Middlesbrough at home next, it's not really the fixture that you want after two weeks without a game. So let's wait and see, see how things go. But at the moment, I think it will be the current bottom three that do go. But if you ask me, maybe once the Easter weekend's out of the way, once we've had three or four games, then I think, you know, if somebody's put a run together, it could differ. So at the moment, I'm standing by what I said about two or three weeks ago. The current bottom three will be the three that will be uh, playing League One football next season. I don't agree on this occasion. I think Wigan are a goner. I think Blackpool will go down. Ooh. And I think Reading will go down. He thinks Warnock's going to work some magic I again. Think this this ultimately comes down to vibe, which is not my most cutting cut, most cutting edge analysis, I'll admit. But in all seriousness, there is a serious point to this. the The atmosphere around Huddersfield with Neil Warnock in charge, compared to a pretty broken mm. and fractured club at Reading, do I do I think ultimately that? And I, I, I will caveat this first and foremost. This is on the assumption Reading lose their six points. If Reading don't lose their six points, Huddersfield will go down. But on the assumption Reading lose their six points, which is more likely than not at this point, I think that Huddersfield will get more points than Reading between now and the end of the season. I think they've got, there's a much bigger feel-good factor. I think that Huddersfield would probably be the worst team to ever stay up. But I do think that Reading... I don't know where their next points are going to come from. They just even the home form, which has been what's keeping them out of the bottom three for so long, they've not been great at home for a while either. That was more the results earlier in the season. So I, I, I just feel like it's a club that has lost all sort of control and discipline. I'll get, let me give you a prime example of where Reading are at. They lost. They were two one down at Blackburn. They deserved to, you know, be three or four one down, but they were still in the game with five minutes to go. Loom, Mamadou Loom, headbutts Sam Gallagher gets sent off. That just sums up where Reading are for me. And it wasn't like head-to-head. He just full-on headbutted him for, no, for very little reason. And then Reading are down to 10 men, and it's effectively game over. Or it certainly gives you a much more of an uphill task. Especially the fact that Huddersfield play Reading on the last day of the season. Who would you back more to get a result in the crunch game? Neil Warnock, regardless of who he's managing or Reading in their current guys. I just don't see it improving anytime soon for Reading. So for me, it's going to be Wigan Athletic, Blackpool, and assuming they lose the six points that we expect them to lose, I think Reading will get relegated. Well, it's certainly uh, going to be interesting, isn't it, to see how this develops. You know, the, the fact that those two play each other on the final day especially if Reading get hit with this this um, points deduction, makes it incredibly interesting, it must be said. Just looking, you know, you, you've spoke here about the prospect of Reading getting this six-point deduction. You know, it might not even happen. We're saying this, and it might not even, even happen yet. You look at Reading's remaining eight games, they've also got to play Wigan in their penultimate game of the season. So their final two games could be absolutely... Huge Where's that? At the Select Car Leasing Stadium. So you look at that, but prior to that, Reading's three games before that are Burnley, Luton and Coventry. Which, you know, on paper, strikers being very, very difficult. 
Two of them are at home. Burnley and Luton are at home. Immediately after the international break, they've got Bristol City away and Birmingham at home. So two teams, even though Birmingham are on equal points with Reading, you know, I think Birmingham are going to be absolutely fine. Even though, you know, you can't guarantee it yet, but I do think Birmingham will be absolutely fine. There's far teams, you know, there's teams far worse than them. So, you know, you could go as far as saying that Bristol City and Birmingham are two teams that are slowly hovering towards on the beach territory. The same could be said as well for Preston the week later. So they've got a real mixed bag of fixtures, but that game with Huddersfield on the final day, that could be absolutely pivotal, depending, you know, what what the uh, situation is then. So there's going to be many twists and turns. And like I say, I think, you know, if we were to have this conversation about the playoffs and the relegation battle once the Easter weekend is dealt with, which will be, I think, three games into the restart after the international break, you'll, I think you'll have a clear idea. You know, the the, interna- the Easter weekend is, you know, such a brilliant weekend, I think, in the EFL. One of my favourites, absolutely. So, it's, personally, I think it's I think it's better than the Boxing Day New Year week because you know it's two games, four days, so much drama, such a you know important time of the season. I remember, I remember last last season, the Easter weekend was great. I remember one of, you know the, one of the biggest memories I have is when Joel Jack Colback scored the absolute beauty for West Brom. For Nottingham Forest against West Brom on, I think it was Easter Monday when they won four 0 at the City Ground. That was an amazing game, and you know, cross cover shot. Whether he meant it or not, who knows? But you know, you look at the East, the Easter weekend. Obviously, the standout fixtures are, are Middlesbrough, Burnley, and Burnley, Sheffield United. They're the big, big games Easter weekend. But at the bottom, there's going to be a hell of a lot to decide. And as you say, if Reading get hit with a six point deduction, it's going to make this battle a hell of a lot more interesting. I'll tell you. It really is. But, you know, we've spoke here about Reading, Huddersfield, Blackpool. Rotherham and Cardiff aren't home and dry yet. QPR not either with the way QPR are playing. I mean, they, they could, you know, reach a point where they are going to have to rely on those beneath them if they can't turn this around because their form is just, it is atrocious. I think it's two wins in 21, 22 games now. It is just absolute carnage what they're experiencing at the moment. You know, if they're not careful, and they've got a six-point gap at the minute, that, you know, it could change quickly. Because if Huddersfield get one win and QPR lose, again, three points, you know, we're into interesting territory. So a lot to be played. But at the moment, as it stands, Huddersfield, Blackpool, Wigan are my three to go down. There are two more teams that we're going to talk about, George, and completely back to the weekend games because it was a result that's worth talking about. Swansea City 2, Bristol City nil. Nothing to do with the league table, but a big win for Russell Martin nonetheless that alleviates some of the pressure on him. Interesting sort of change of shape slash personnel in certain key roles. Harry Darling playing as an auxiliary right-back for central midfielders with Liam Walsh. Remember him? Yeah, he plays for Swansea. He's back from injury now and doing well by all accounts and a good performance here in this match. Really nice first goal for Liam Cullen. Really nice smart finish after a clever pass from Olivier Incham, and he got the second then with a low finish for the second. The lesser spotted Jamie Patterson is back in the fold at Swansea, which I think is a big boost. I like Patterson, and he was in great form for Swansea. I know there's been a lot of fallout, I know there's been questions over his attitude, and I know he's been in and out of a few championship clubs. You know, he fell out of favour at Bristol City, so clearly there is a little bit of something there. I'm not pinning it all on the door of Swansea, but they can utilise him. I think he's a talent in their squad that they can't really afford to just put on the sidelines personally. Seeing him back in the fold for them, I think makes them a much better team. He looks lively off the bench. 
And I think this is a massive win ultimately to relieve a little bit of the pressure from Russell Martin. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, if they'd have, you know, failed to win that game on Sunday afternoon, that would have been seven without a win going into the international break. And that would have made it a really long and testing fortnight for Russell Martin. He had to get three points from that game. And, you know, a bit of a tactical shift did the job for him. So, you know, that'll allow him to breathe easier over this next fortnight. But it doesn't disguise the fact that, you know, they've been on a really, really difficult run, Swansea, since, you know, since the start of the new year, really. Just three wins this calendar year so far. It's been a a really, really difficult time for them. So it was a win they desperately had to get. It stopped to run of three successive defeats. You know, they've been really poor at home as well of late, which was one thing, you know, that you could always tend to rely on with Swansea. They were always fairly solid on home soil. And, you know, it just moves them a little bit clearer of danger, even though I never doubted that they would, you know, get sucked into this battle properly. But, you know, they're up to 16th now, 46 points, 10 clear of Huddersfield. I think Swansea would be absolutely fine. You know, all of a sudden, we're saying, you know, they're, they're only two points behind Stoke, who have been singing the praises of him recent weeks. But it's just the case of their form has been so poor and so underwhelming in the last few weeks that you've really had to cast a, a negative light over Swansea City. And for Russell Martin, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was beginning to think he is going to be the next manager for the chop. You know, he's, he's hovering close to that line now. It's very difficult to see him lasting much longer. But that win might just have saved his bacon for a few more weeks on, on Sunday against Bristol City, who on the flip side, Bristol City, they're experiencing a bit of a wobble at the minute after such a brilliant run of form. They seem to have lost their way a little bit in the last few weeks. The squad's a bit stretched. I think they've got they've certainly got injuries defence. And it just all seems to have for a while now. All seems to have spiralled from that FA Cup defeat to Manchester City, doesn't it? You know, it's kind of weird. They they were doing brilliantly up until that, and then that came along, and then you know they've not really had much to you know much to sing about recently. I, I'm definitely. putting it down to injuries, if I'm being quite honest. If you look at the strength the, of the bench, for yeah, example, I, I just think the one cons- one concern for me is after that defeat on Sunday. They've actually now only scored two goals in the last five league games, which is a that's a bit underwhelming for a team, you know, that has been, you know, after Christmas, we're we're in very very good form, but they've only you know they've only scored twice in the last five, and both of those game, both of those goals were against Blackpool, and they've not really, you know, with the exception of Luton away, they've not had the most challenging of fixture lists in the last few weeks. Cardiff away, Huddersfield away, Blackpool at home, it's not been the most difficult, you know, run of games with the exception of that trip to Kenilworth Road. So maybe the international breaks come at the right time for, for Nigel Pearson and Bristol City. But, you know, overall, we've seen enough from Bristol City over the last, you know, two or three months to suggest that they will be able to kick on next season. But, you know, they'll be keen just to, you know, get this little rut out of their system after the break and get a few wins on the board and try and finish the season with a flourish. Yep, and I completely agree. And that marks the end of this week's Championship Chat podcast. If you've enjoyed this slightly different style, uh, zooming out on the table and trying to take stock of things with eight games to go, um, let us know. Subscribe. Drop us a retweet on the episode on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ChampChatPod24. And go and tell a friend about how great the podcast is, if that's what you think. Um, Of course, we'll be back after the international break. No podcast next week because I am going on my stag do, so I am out of the country. Um, But we will be back the weekend after, of course, bringing you the latest championship analysis and action thank you for listening huge thanks as always to our sponsors cards accepted for their support this season please go and check them out at cardsaccepted.co.uk have a great week enjoy the international break and we'll speak again very soon for another episode of the championship chat podcast
This is the Championship Chat Podcast, your home of news, views and debate from England's second tier. 